Deuteronomy 6, we'll be reading the first nine verses. I'll keep talking while you're turning there. You've known for a long time that the first and greatest commandment is to love God. And I feel like I talk about this a lot. Um, To love God. This is the first and greatest commandment. But it's just on my heart. I can't stop talking about it. This is the number one thing. And I feel like we do so poorly with it. I know I do. And I think you're just like me. We do so poorly with really loving God. It's the number one commandment. The number one commandment. The greatest commandment. The first commandment. The thing that should describe us the most. That person just, he just loves God so much. She just loves God so much. And often when I talk about this, I talk about, well, how do you love God? Well, I'll mention them again, some of the things that come to mind. First of all, the best way to love someone is to receive their love. Believe that they love you, because love is reciprocal. It's about relationship. So, how do you love God? You believe that he loves you. We love him because he first loved us. You can't love God unless you first believe it and receive it for yourself. That's the, that's the first way I know of to love God. And then he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Well, this is the first and greatest commandment, but a way to love him is to keep all his commandments. All right? The second uh, way I think of to love God is the second commandment, to love people. That's how you love God. That's one of the greatest ways to love God is to love those who were created in his image, his other precious children. If you want to love God, you love his children. Found or not found. Found or potentially found. Love all of them. Those who deserve it, those who don't deserve it. Love all of them. That's one of the greatest ways to love God. Another way of loving God is by not loving certain things. You love God by not loving the world. You love God by not loving yourself more than Him. Ways to love God. But I just, <clears throat> this was just burning on my heart this week. Just loving God. Just loving God. You know, let's all, not think about all these other ways, but does this just describe you? Someone who loves God. Can you say, I love God with all my heart? Can you say that? If you can't say, I love God with all my heart, can you say, I love God? Are you able to say that? Now, just to prove to yourself... Here I go again. Just to prove yourself that you can say it, I want to hear you say it. I want to hear you say, I love God. Here we go. I love 
God. Did that hurt? Did that convict? You're, you're able to say it, whether you mean it or not. And I think we need to say it more often. To God, God, I love you. I've said this already in, in uh, wedding sermons. You know, when, when a husband tells his wife, I love you, it's not just repeating a fact. It's also making a decision. I commit myself to love you. I choose to love you. And so I think we need to say that as a fact and as a choice, as making a commitment. We need, that, we need to be able to hear ourselves say that. Satan needs to hear us say that. And God loves to hear us say that. Do you love God? So this morning, I want to talk about loving God with our heart. Loving God with all our heart. So follow along as I read here in Deuteronomy 6. Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you. That you shall observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. Now, just the chapter before this, they were reviewing the Ten Commandments. And then he comes with this. These are commandments that you're to teach and to observe in the land you're going to possess. That you may fear, verse 2, that you may fear the Lord your God with, to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you. You and your son and your grandson all the days of your life and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord, is one. I'm going to have you switch up here and, and read it with me. Here we go. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord, is one. You shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So, I told you the context. This was just after they were reminded of the commandments. And, and so, obviously, keeping God's commandments is, is the greatest way. One of the, uh, yeah, maybe the way, I don't know how to say that, to love God. But I think, I think it's more. You don't just 
go through the motions. I just got to do it. No, it's, it's more. We need to develop more. Yes, sometimes we just got to grit our teeth and do what God says. That is okay. It's always right to do what's right. But there's more. There's more. Never stop doing what's right because you're just going through the motions. Work on the heart of the matter. Work on what's deeper. Work on, and, and here I, I'm at a loss. I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know how to explain this. I just know that God's stirring in my heart, and I believe He is in yours too, that it goes deeper. Never stop doing what's, what's right, but keep working on the love part of it. Keep working on the motivation. Loving God is the greatest motivation. It's the most freeing motivation. All right, look at these verses. Verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. What does that mean? He's one. Does, that, does it mean there's not 50 of him? Does it mean... He is the one and only. He alone, some manuscripts say he alone is God. It's him alone. He is the one. There is only one God and he is the God. He alone is God. I'm not sure what all it means. One thing that's uh, really inspiring to me is when I think of God as being undivided. He's not fickle. He's in, in complete union with himself. There's nothing like that. We are not like that. We are sometimes here, and sometimes we're here, and sometimes we're up, and sometimes we're down, and sometimes we're running after this, and sometimes we're running after that. And, and we are all cut up and divided and confused and all of that. We don't know where we're going, don't know what we want. He is in complete union with himself. He is undivided. He is solid. He is one unit. I don't know, is this, even though there's a trinity, he is still one. I believe all of these things are true about him. He is the only Lord. He is the only God. He is... Even though he is a trinity, he is in complete harmony with himself. The Lord our God is one. And I just think this needs to help us with our focus in life. When you get confused, when you're not sure where to look, when you're not sure what he's saying, you come back to this and meditate on this concept that you can't understand. But meditate on it. Say, God the Lord is one. He is one. And that's where I need to go. That's where I need to focus. I'd love to hear, if afterwards, when our sharing time, I'd love to hear what your ideas are. What does this verse mean? The Lord our God is one. All right, verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. What does that mean? 
What is your heart? Can you tell me what your heart is? Can you tell me what your soul is? Can you tell me what all your strength is? In the New Testament, Jesus added, your mind. Love him with your mind also. So, what is the difference? What is the difference between heart and soul and mind and strength? Well, I did some research, and the more I researched, the more confused I got. Some people say that, that the, uh, the soul is our complete being, and the heart is part of it. Other people, I read the exact opposite. <laughs> they said the heart is who we are. It's the core of who we are, and, and the soul is part of that. I don't know if anybody knows. Another, another person says these, these three, the heart and soul and, and all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, it's saying the same thing, just using different words. <laughs> so take your pick. <laughs> what does it mean? All your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Is it just a literary thing to emphasize? Or are there specific things about the heart? What, a, what the heart is, what the soul is, and what the mind is. You know, we can, we can scientifically uh, explore the human heart, that, that piece of meat that's in your, or muscle that's in your chest, doing its thing, pumping, pumping the blood to your brain, hopefully, <laughs> pumping the blood to all over the rest of your body. We can explore that. In fact, the heart is... Uh, what is it, electromagnetic waves? It's, it's the strongest organ when it comes to electromagnetic waves, uh, stronger than the mind. It puts out the stronger, um, whatever that is, electromagnetic waves. I'm not a scientist, but, but that's the human heart. But what's the, what's the, the heart the, in, in a spiritual sense, in a spirit sense, or in a, the way we use it. Put your heart into it. Well, you don't cut out your, no, you know what we mean when I say put your heart into it. Put your heart into loving God. We kind of all know what it means, but we can't define it. And so I'm struggling. I've been struggling with this all week. How do you love God with all your heart? Well, what is your heart? What is your heart? Well, let's look at the rest of these verses. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Well, can you type out words and stuff them in your physical heart? No. But if words... If God tells us to put words in our hearts, then whatever our heart is, as indefinable as it is, whatever our heart is, we can put words in it. We know we can put words in our mind. We read them, we define them, we speak them, and they come out of our mind. 
And when our mind is confused, often still words come out, just not as coherently or sensibly. Some people, words come out of their mind even while they're sleeping. There's words in their mind. But this says, put these words in your heart. How do you put words in your heart? I think it's connected to the mind. Now, there's a difference in people. Some people, they, it seems like they automatically operate first out of their heart. Others seem like they immediately operate first out of their mind. But I don't know how you can prove that. I'll just use some examples. Say Ruth Martin or Ruth Miller. Uh, do they, would you say they operate first out of their mind or their heart? Anyone? Say it. <laughs> heart. All right. Well, what about like Kendall Coons? Would you say he operates out of his heart first or his mind first? What do you think? I think you get the point. Is one better than the other? No. No. Does Kendall have a heart? Absolutely. Does Ruth have a mind? I think so. <laughs> We're different. So we can put words in our mind and we can put it in our hearts. I, I'd, I'd say I'd probably lean on the, on the mind thing. But, you know, what I do with my mind affects my heart. Big time. What we do with our heart is going to affect our mind. I think. So loving God with all our heart. I think part of loving God with our heart is to put God's words in our heart. How do you put God's words in your heart? Put God's words in our heart. In this study, somebody was say, saying, you know, memorizing, that's putting God's word in your head. And it's not necessarily putting it in your heart. How do you put it in your heart? So you put God's word in your head by memorizing it. Maybe you could put God's word in your heart by meditating on it. And how can you meditate on something that's not in your head? So we might have to start with memorizing, and then his word is in our head, and then we can meditate on those words and let it soak into our heart. There, there's, I'm sure there's other ways to get God's word into your heart. I think we can ask God to put his words into our heart. God, take it from my head to my heart. You've heard the saying, there's 18 inches average between the brain and the heart. And for some people, it's like 18 inches of concrete. How do you get, break through that concrete to get the, that 18 inches from the head to the heart? Loving God with all our heart. 
putting His Word in your heart. This is so important. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So those of you who don't talk very much can get away with a lot of garbage in your heart. Those of us who talk more, we're, we actually have an advantage because we can quicker see what's in our heart and we can repent faster. So talking, don't be scared to talk. It helps you and others see what's in your heart. That's an advantage. Don't be afraid to open your mouth and see what's in your heart. Now, you, you want to be careful. You Beware, because you, you could hurt others with it too. But especially to yourself, verbalize words. That'll help you know what's in your heart. Know what's in your heart. All right, the next verse here. So verse 6 can, can maybe help us understand how to love God with all our heart. The next three verses, one says you shall teach, verse 8 says you shall bind, verse 9 says you shall write. So, verse 6 says, put these words in your heart. <coughs> verse 7 says, you shall teach them. Listen, people, I think this is a good way to love God with all our heart. We put these words in our heart, and then we teach them. Everybody in here needs to be teaching someone. Everybody. Teaching someone. You all can teach someone. Some of you can teach many people. But teach them <laughs> diligently to your children. And the next part of verse 7 gives me the idea, teach it randomly to whoever hears you. Teach them, talk of them when you sit in your house and when you're walking down the sidewalk or driving down the road. Talk of them. You can tell what somebody loves by what they talk about. And this is a burden for me. I, I long where it's, I long to see the day when the thing that's talked the most about around here is God. After we're done commenting about the weather or complaining about it, let's switch to God. And let's talk about God. It's not that you can't talk about other things. But what do you talk the most about? And people, this takes practice. It, it won't happen overnight. Bring your mind and bring your words back to talking about God. I think that's how we can, one way we can love God with all our heart. Talk about Him. Talk about His commands. Talk about His greatest command, loving Him all the time. 
everything you're doing, from the time you get up in the morning to the time you go to bed at night. And in your dreams, you'll talk about him too. Talk about him. Talk. Talk about him. You shall teach. You shall talk. Verse 8, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and as frontlets between your eyes. Y'all remember, I had a sermon here not too long ago that I often mentioned the hand and the head. The hand and the head. What does that represent? The hand and the head. The hand represents what? What we do. Yes, our activities, what we do, what we work, what we do, what we play, the stuff we're doing. And the head represents what? What we're thinking about, yes. In our actions and in our thoughts. So, bind them. Bind them to your actions. You're good people, so your actions are good. You have good actions for the most part, okay? So bind love for God to your actions. Bring the two together. Why am I doing this? It's because I love God. Why do I have to get up in this morning and I don't feel like it? Because I love God. Why do I need to lead singing this morning? Because I love God. Why do I need to preach? Because I love God. Why do I need to do what mom says? Because I love God. Why do I have to serve this grouchy person? Because I love God. Everything we do. Because we love, bind, tie them together. Somehow, tie them together. Your love for God and what you're doing, it will make your life so rich, so meaningful, so filled with purpose, so full. Bind them on everything you do and everything you think. If you're thinking something and, and, and you can't connect God's, your love for God with what you're thinking, you better stop thinking it. Why am I thinking? It's because I love God. Why do I need to focus on this? Because I love God. Why do I need to study this subject? Because I love God. I'm going to study this subject because I love God. I'm going to read this, this scripture because I love God. I'm going to think about this person in a certain way because I love God. Tie it to your thinking, your love for God. Tie it to your thinking. And then write it. Write it everywhere. Write it on the wall. I like what we did on first floor here recently. Uh, write it on the wall. Write it on your house. Write it on your, on your uh, device. Write it all the time. Write it everywhere you go. Put it on your posts. Uh, posts, yeah. The, the door posts and your electronic posts. All right? Post it. Sticky note. Post it. Wherever, write it all over. All right, a little bit, talk a little bit about the heart. Some, th some ways that the heart has been described. It's been described as the locus or the central, the center out of which of physical and spiritual being. The heart represents a central wisdom of feeling as opposed to the head wisdom of reasoning. The heart represents compassion, understanding, it is life-giving. It is complex. It is a symbol of love. Heart has been described as a seat of emotions. It is synonymous with affection. Emotions and ideals, place of emotions, 
or our deepest thoughts. The heart has desires. Scripture says the desire, talks about the desires of the heart. It also, Scripture also says that the heart is naturally deceitful and wicked. That's why we need new hearts. We're also told that we think in our hearts. But Jesus, here's a verse, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, I should say, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? So our hearts are tied to our thinking as well. Proverbs says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says, but his heart is not with you. So we think in our hearts. Our hearts also has to do with our will, what we purpose, what we decide, what we want, what we, let me say it this way, what we decide to want. Our wants aren't automatic. Our wants are trained. Our wants are chosen. What we purpose in our hearts, our will. And, of course, emotion. Jesus says, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice. Our hearts are also connected with our conscience somehow, because Jesus says, for if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. So just some things about the heart, how people have described the heart. I still don't know what I'm talking about, but... but we kind of know what we're talking about when, when we say, put your heart into it. Give it all you've got. Give it your heart. All right, I'd like to talk just a little bit about the heart as a gateway. The heart as a gateway. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. So there are things that come out out of your heart, okay? And, and the heart can let things out, all right? So if things can come out of our heart, then things can also come into our heart. And thinking of our heart as the gateway to the rest of us, okay? So think of your heart as, especially those, I don't know if it's a difference in people, but if the heart is a gateway, what it allows into your soul or into your mind, your, the condition of your heart matters. A gateway, letting things stay in your mind or dismissing them letting things into your heart. Maybe one way to understand this heart as a gateway, when, when people's hearts are shut, when their hearts are closed, you can't get to know them. I mean, you may spend lots of time with them, and they'll talk, and they'll tell you a lot of things about themselves, and they'll tell you what they think, they'll tell you what they believe, but some people, you come away and you say, I still don't really know them. They never really let me into their heart. I don't know what they're feeling. I don't really know what's going on because their hearts are shut. It's a gateway that's shut. 
And often that's because they were hurt sometime in the past and they either knowingly or unknowingly made this vow and says, I'm never going to let anybody else get close to me. I'm never going to let anybody else into my heart. And that gate is shut and you're not getting in because that heart is closed. How unfortunate, especially when we think of Jesus coming into our heart. If we have a closed heart, Jesus cannot come into the heart. And, and Jesus, in the Old Testament, he prophesied about the, uh, God in the Old Testament through the prophets, talked about when Jesus comes in the New Covenant, he says he will give them a new heart and he will take care of the stoniness, the hardness, and he will give them a soft heart, a heart of flesh, he said, something that's flexible. And if it's flexible, it can be stretched. And if it's flexible, it can be hurt. But if it's flexible, it can pump too. We need a soft heart, a heart that can love, a heart that can hurt, a heart that can let Jesus come in and take over and give us a new heart and make us new and keep making us new and keep make, softening us and keep pumping the love that needs to circulate through the body of Christ. We need a healthy hearts. We need hearts that are soft. We need hearts that work. We need hearts that let people in so we can communicate the love of Christ. Loving God with all our heart. Let him develop your heart. The gateway of what it lets in and what it lets out. And allowing your heart to go after something or to not go after something. Making those decisions. I think of sometimes young men. All of a sudden, this young man finds their heart all wrapped up in a girl. And he knows this girl should not be pursued. He knows this girl is not what he really wants to live with the rest of his life. But it's almost too late. His heart, the gateway, has, has allowed him to enter in. That's the gateway. Other times, we need to work on opening our hearts to what we really know is good for us. And, and so we need to close to certain things and open it to certain things. Our thinking, our emotions, what we feed on, what we indulge in, our will, choosing to give up or choosing to decide for, is our heart making those decisions. And then our conscience. If our heart is tied to our conscience, then we need to be very careful what we put in, how we build up our conscience, how we develop our conscience. We need to keep it sensitive. We need to teach our conscience the best. God's Word. Teach our conscience God's Word. That's the gateway of, of how to, what beliefs that we will let in and what we won't let in. So it really comes back to loving God with these decisions and the choices we make with this gateway, the heart. And then... Loving God with your emotions. If your heart is the seat of your emotions, how do you love God 
with your emotions. It is so important to nurture your heart, to keep your emotions healthy. How do you do that? That's maybe a sermon in itself. But the one person said that our feelings, our, we spiritually perceive things, and our heart is processing the feelings. Our heart processes the, the feelings are processing this information that we get. And so our activities matter. Doing that which softens the heart, to make it a fleshy heart, not a stony heart. Don't harden it. Hearts are hardened by cruelty. Hearts are hardened by horror. Hearts are hardened by any decisions against God or against good. So watch what comes in to, through your eyes and through your ears. Whether it's, uh, don't take in too much horrible stuff, bad stuff. Don't be talking about bad stuff all the time or, or horror. I think of horror movies or cruelty or killing or war games or whatever. That stuff hardens our hearts. And uh, there's other things. Uh, I think of, well, last Sunday he talked about the importance of dress. I think if we expose ourselves to nudity then, and we don't let our hearts go there, it hardens our hearts. We, need, we can't let ourselves go there, but it, it hardens our hearts to beauty, and that's horrible. It, it desensitizes us, and our hearts become hardened. Instead of being able to enjoy beauty, we're, we're hardened against it. Attend a funeral. That'll soften your heart. Spend time in nature. Listen to good music. And depending what your work is, your work can even soften your heart. And pursuing certain hobbies that nurture your heart, that make your heart better. That's what it's all about. Relationships. Again, enter into relationships with your heart. Open your heart. Walk into other people's hearts. That's going to soften your heart. But it's really going to come back. All right, so develop your emotions. That's what I was saying. Doing the right thing with your emotions. And what you choose when the emotions come. It really comes back to decisions. You know, Jesus says, love God with all your heart. So that's given as a command. So if you have a command, you can either choose to do the command or choose to not do the command. So again, we're coming back to decisions, coming back to choices. And when we're in the middle of those emotional experiences, if our heart is the seat of our emotions, that is so important, what we choose in the middle of those emotions. And it may be really, really hard. But do it because you love God. Now it helps to have some things figured out before you get into the heat of the moment. If you can make some solid decisions, what you're going to do before you get angry, or if you get angry, or when someone hurts, or uh, the more you can decide ahead of time helps, but you can never figure out life so well that you don't have to make some difficult decisions in the middle of an emotional time. And what you choose right then is the, uh, a way 
I believe, a way that you can love God with all your heart. Any emotion you're going through, you make the right decision. You choose for God. You turn to him. You say, God, I don't know. I'm so in grief right now, but I choose to love you. I don't know why you're asking this of me, but I choose to love you. I don't know why it feels like you're taking advantage and everybody else is taking advantage of me, but I choose to love you. Regardless what happens, I choose to love you. From the seat of your emotions, love God with all your heart. All right, let me just close with this thing of all. Jesus said, with all your heart. Undivided. Loving God with all your heart. Put those words into your heart. Teach them. Tie them to your activities and your thinking. Write them everywhere you can. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, again for teaching us this morning. God, we are so unworthy. We are unworthy to receive your love. But this morning we choose to believe and receive your love for us so that we have the wherewithal to love you, that for which we were created. God, this morning we choose to love you with all our heart. If there's someone here this morning, God, that has been refusing, has been allowing their heart to be hard, I just pray that right now or today they would make those choices. And allow you to deal with their heart. Allow you to come into their heart. And work your work. I commit them to you, God. We love you, Lord. And we want to love you more each day. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.